This is the Vision Driven Mom podcast, and I'm your host, Tracy Nolan Bierman, for moms by moms who believe that anything is possible, even in the midst of motherhood. Each week, you'll hear firsthand relatable stories from moms that have journeyed through motherhood from fear, loss, and heartbreak to healing, empowerment, and success. Motherhood is truly the journey of a lifetime, so let's enjoy the ride together. Well, hello there and welcome back. I am so glad that you are here and I think you are going to love this episode. I know I say it every week, but I really do. But before we get into the episode, we're in the fourth day of the five day get up out of that funk challenge. And I would love to have you join us. Yes, we're on the fourth day. There's one day left. However, there is an opportunity to purchase the recordings. You're never too late. And even if you don't purchase the recordings and you just come for the last two days, you will get so much out of this time. Okay, so the get up out of that funk challenge. And it's super fun. It's a super fun challenge for moms. And that's exactly what we're going to do because funk happens. And over the five days, I walk you through creating a toolkit basically for yourself. For one thing, to help you get out of the funk right now, and you'll have this toolkit available and and within reach already decided on next time you get into a funk. Now, funk happens, okay? It's not, I would love to say that you'll have this toolkit and then you'll never get in a funk again, but I wouldn't be being truthful. We live in our world. We have 50-50, 50% desirable, 50% undesirable. Next time you fall into a funk and you will have a powerful toolkit to help get you out. Go to www.getoutofthatfunk.com and that's O-U-T-T-A. I'll also put the link to it in the show notes. So be sure to get yourself registered, signed up so that you can get in on this super fun challenge with a village of amazing like-minded moms as well. On to our episode for today. Kirsten Kirksteiger, she is an amazing, she's a scientist turned life and leadership coach. And I can't wait for you to listen to her story. It's pretty amazing. And I know that you're going to find some of yourself in her story as well. During this episode, she comes at family and family life. She, for, first of all, she has a podcast called the Work-Life Flow Podcast, And she believes and she teaches that we can have work-life flow. I talk about work-life harmony. She comes at it at a little bit of a different angle, which I love. And she talks about being the leader in your family. She shares a little bit of her work-life flow system, and she encourages, encourages moms to think of their family as a team and have everybody be team members to encourage more flow in the home. I really think you're going to love this. Be sure, reach out. You can email me. You can tag me on Facebook or Instagram. Let me know what you think, but let me know about the gold nuggets that you get from this episode. Without further ado, Is it possible to have work-life flow in your home? Let's find out. And today we have Kirsten Kiersteiger. She is here to tell us about work-life integration, and I cannot wait to hear uh, her system. So Kirsten, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, Tracy. 
Yeah, it's so good excited to, to be here. Yes, me too. I'm, we, we've been talking about this for a while, so I'm excited. She's a scientist turned life and leadership coach. I love that. What a contrast. The emotional roller coaster of motherhood took her on and led her to lead science and dive deep into the study of emotional intelligence. And she became a, a Geno certified practitioner. Her journey of motherhood and entrepreneurship made it clear that work-life integration is a topic most working moms struggle with. Yes, raising my hand. Leveraging her analytical nature combined with her understanding for individualized solutions, she has created a system for moms to peel back the layers of obligations and expectations and guilt and build a life they're excited to get up for every day. Now, Kristen offers coaching that includes tools of emotional intelligence, respectful parenting, and leadership training that helps her clients find flow and gives them tools for a successful career. Both. I love that. In her leadership consulting, she has worked with clients from Thermo Fisher, EDF Renewables, and Cadell. When Kirsten is not working with clients, you can find her mountain biking or enjoying the outdoors with her family. Kirsten, this is great. I really, I love that scientist turned life and leadership coach. That's pretty big contrast, but that's really cool. So can you tell us a little bit about how it all came about? Yeah, that I think is the biggest story. <laughs> I have yeah. to share honestly because it was just I studied science I came to the US for my postdoc and then the second year in I got pregnant none of my friends had babies <laughs> I was far away from family and friends it was a totally new situation for me and I struggled a little bit I felt pregnancy was taking away from my life because mm -hmm. I suddenly couldn't do all the things that I love like mountain biking it was too dangerous and so I had a prenatal yoga experience that was really interesting because back then I was like totally I did yoga I loved it but I did it more for exercise part of it and with prenatal yoga it shifted totally towards more the spiritual part towards the transformation that motherhood brings and I couldn't relate to it yet because I wasn't a mother yet it was really difficult for me to connect to this so I just kept going for the exercise but then I had my son and everything changed not a totally different person but I was overwhelmed I had a birth experience that I did not want so it was an emergency c-section instead of my natural birth that I was Ooh. looking for so I had a lot to process there and then I don't know like holding this tiny human being and then having to go back to work I actually extended it to three months uh, with all vacation and everything I could use up but it was just a very overwhelming experience and I felt this need to care for this person so strongly that we both of us my husband and I we did attachment parenting and so everything kind of rotated around this tiny human and how to to meet his needs and how to make sure that everything turns out fine then we found Montessori so our home we set it up in Montessori ways so we always had this follow the child theme in our home and then we had a traumatic experience with him when he was two and a half he scooted out over the street and a car hit him so that was a really traumatic experience so a lot was happening in these first years like I said I kind of had lost myself because because I was not myself again. Everything felt totally different and I didn't know who I was becoming. I totally felt that science is not calling me anymore. 
Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to go. I had to go back to finish my postdoc after his birth. But then I had my second baby, a girl. And so with her, I stayed home because of some visa issues at the same time. So as a foreigner, I was on a visa that didn't allow me to work at the time. So I had an experience as a working mom. I had an experience as a stay at home. And yeah, again, like this caretaking, I liked it. I looked for it. I kind of craved taking care of them. But on the other hand, I didn't feel comfortable losing myself. I didn't feel like giving up my identity so I always tried to connect back to my identity and started doing yoga again a funny way it's just an interesting way of it's my pattern when I find something interesting and I want to learn more about it rather than just taking classes I usually learn about it and I get certified or something so I took a yoga teacher training which was amazing I have been teaching yoga every now and then not steadily then I tried to find to explore my interest in mountain biking so I became a sort mountain bike instructor and then I did that as a part-time job for a little bit but again all these jobs they're really not they can't sustain your family life so well because yoga for me it was in the evenings when my husband was home mountain biking was on weekends again it, it would be against family time so I had to weigh those pros and cons then I noticed that everything I was doing and the way I researched or the way we were leading our family had a lot to do with positive parenting and emotional intelligence it was a friend who connected me honestly I was like I didn't even know if I was made to do that I was super nervous about it because I think it is it's just a very strong topic I didn't feel like I was emotionally intelligent enough to be teaching others because of course you lose it we all are humans but again it's It's not about that. (laughs) It's about helping others understand their patterns and helping. So a friend actually talked me into becoming certified with Jenna's International, and that's an assessment company. And so my first idea was to go into companies and help scientists, especially women in science, kind of take their leadership training into their own hands, because sometimes in companies, women are not being treated equally. And and so they're not being promoted at the same rate, especially if they're moms, there's every actually 43% of women leave the workforce after becoming a mom. So I wanted to do something in that niche with my emotional intelligence training. And then the pandemic hit. And so I I had just started working with my first clients with those assessments, teaching them or training them through leadership training. With the pandemic, I I felt such a strong urge to talk to moms about Mm -hmm. how they could use emotional intelligence in their home to lead a harmonious family life, but also to really thrive in their jobs. Yeah, take their career a step up. My blog posts and my content started rotating around work-life integration. Again, for me, it's bringing this emotional intelligence piece into your life because it's seriously our Jenna's tagline is game-changing for business, but it's also life-changing. And Mm, I truly believe that. And last year, then I started my podcast, the Work-Life Flow podcast to spread this message a little further. It's been amazing. I've been connecting to so many amazing people with the podcast. It's really a journey of still discovering who I am and what I want to do, but it's been really cool. I love that story. Story. Kirsten, you and I, along with each other, were like, <laughs> I wasn't a scientist, but I had, I was planning this beautiful natural birth for my first. He came emergency C-section. He was early. He almost died when he was 11 days old. It was incredible and can completely relate to what you said about this tiny human. Really in the beginning, it was all about keeping this tiny human alive. It was intense, but it was like that was, and I I love what you said about when you decide something that you 
put yourself all in. So I was all in about taking care of this tiny human. With the yoga too, I'd been doing yoga on my own and then decided I'd do the same thing. I find something that I'm interested in and then I go and get certified in it. And so I've got the stack of certifications and the same thing with you is I just wasn't, the yoga wasn't it. The other things that I had done, they weren't it. But the working, work with moms and helping moms with that really getting to know yourself, like you said, you kind of get to, I call it momnesia and where you just, and it doesn't matter. A lot of times when we're first, when we have kids in the beginning, we do end up like being completely immersed, but it can last all the way through the time they leave the nest where we completely forget who we are. I work with moms all the time who say, I don't even know what I like. If you ask me right now, I wouldn't even know. I can't really tell you what I like to do or anything like that. And it's so important. The work that you're doing is just amazingly important. And I would love to hear more about your work-life integration because I I love that. I talk about work-life harmony, but I love the integration because it's how all the pieces work together. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, I would like to add something about your mom, because I think we have to give ourselves the permission to try things. Right. And then be okay with saying, no, that's not exactly what I wanted. But if we didn't try, how would we know? And I think it's always, we have kind of this mindset of, I decide something and I stick with it and I have to stick it through. And I think that's not true. Sometimes when you start to redefine yourself, you have to give yourself the permission to try and to to, say, to abandon. Absolutely agree with that. My mother, when I was 22 and I was, I was leaving, I was moving from New York State to Atlanta, Georgia. And right before I got in the car, my mother said, there's nothing that you can do except for children. You can't undo children, but there's nothing that you can't, that you do that you can't change or undo. And that has stuck with me that I don't have to, I became a real estate agent at one point. I mean, I, that's so far from being a real estate agent, but that I didn't have to stick with it because I was learning. This doesn't really feel quite right. I love that you pointed that out because we have to allow ourselves just because we get a degree in something doesn't mean that's what we need to do. And that's kind of why the, I believe that the work that we're doing, if we could teach our kids, if you we teach the moms and our moms can teach the kids to get real clear about who they are, then maybe they won't spend four or six or eight or 10 years going down a path that's not right for them. I just think there's a ripple effect. So important. All right. Yes. Fantastic. I love that point. And, and I think this is where my framework comes in, into place as well. When I talk about work-life integration, I usually work on three parts, which is you, your family, and then your work. All these parts, they are dynamic because all our needs are changing, ever-changing, really. Right. Our kids are growing up and they have different ages come different needs, but even ourselves and our relationships, they change. And so when I talk about you, what I usually do is I also, I know you do a vision board. I don't do a vision board, but I walk them through their vision. I want them to get clear on their core values for themselves, the life that they would like to have. We build a framework around it. And then the same we do with the family. Ideally, they happen in family meetings, trying to get clear on what the kids, of course, it depends on their ages. It always has to, you can't give them decisions they're not quite ready for. But or I would like to have the moms lead their family in a way where they get the input of their team and their family is their team. I envision mm. my kids, for example, they, we, we collaborate, we have meetings, we have needs assessment. Like I said, needs change. So in those meetings, 
he would talk about, I see, I don't know, for example, if you have behaviors that come up, don't really fit or that you're not accepting of. In those meetings, you can talk about, because usually behaviors are an unmet need. And in positive parenting, that's a very common theme. However, I think we have to also talk about this with adults because it's the same. Yeah. And, right. and so this is where my emotional intelligence comes in. Mm-hmm. It is, we are emotional beings. Our brain is hardwired to detect problems, fe- threat. We have this fight, flight or freeze reaction for reasons that are not really life-threatening anymore. Mm-hmm. It is, it might be a comment somebody made, it sends you off. It might be a situation like with the pandemic, uncertainty is a really big one. So you're in this fight or flight response all the time and you cannot, your prefrontal cortex, which is the thinking brain, disconnects and you cannot take reasonable decisions. Your thinking becomes narrow, your decision-making is failing, it's, it's not solving problems. You, you have, you're really focused on survival and you're really focused, your body, your hormones that kick in that case, they make you ready to run or to freeze. So we have to be aware of this. And so that one step in emotional intelligence, there's the self-awareness, then you start working on awareness of others, then it's emotional decision-making and so on. There's four or five more steps to do it. But when I talk about your family, this is what I mean by leading your family in an emotional intelligent way, in taking into consideration their needs, taking into consideration their capabilities, taking into consideration even their personality types. There are different tests you can make. You can, they're online available. Some of them are free where you can get an an insight into who they are because every person has different traits. I'm an introvert. My husband is an extrovert. So we see situations completely in a different way. I'm a planner. He is absolutely, he doesn't even know what a calendar is. When I, yeah, it's for us, for my family, for me, it's a struggle to plan six months ahead or a year ahead because my husband just doesn't he just goes with whatever comes and so this is for me is a struggle but I know him so we work around those but again you have to know your players you have to know your team to be able to lead them and the other part of leading I think is that you want to be an inspiration Mm-hmm. And so if you're totally drowning in overwhelm every day and just struggling to get through the day because you're not taking care of yourself, that is what your family feels. That is what Absolutely. your family sees. Mm-hmm. So you cannot be an inspiration if you're not an inspiration to yourself. Yeah. So I really think we have to flip that. I don't have time for self-care. I would like to do this, but I can't. I would like to read this book, but I can't. We have to really carve out these times because our kids are watching our partners partners are watching, we are growing, we have to show them how to grow, we have to show them how to fail. So all this is a type of leadership. I've been talking a lot about the family part. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the, last part, right. the last part is the work part. So basically mm-hmm. everything and anything you learn about those personality types, about how to lead, how to team, about how to be more emotionally intelligent, all that can be transferred into your work. You can have better authentic conversations, you can ask for more flexibility possibly, you can, you, there's different solutions you can try to find at work or even bring in leadership training into your work in order to get where you want to get. So those are the things I touch on. Yeah, I love that. I really think that we are speaking the same language. (laughs) We have very parallel. My kids are a little bit older than yours, but we're um, also an introvert and my husband is the extrovert and he just, he likes to kind of, he loves spontaneity. I love the spontaneity, but what I find is that in my own life, that the more structured that I am, then the more time I have to be spontaneous. Interesting dynamic. But yeah, I love what you said about about the family and about 
that you are the leader of the family and you have to be modeling it. And I think about in work when you have, you know, self-employed for a long time, but when had managers or supervisors in the past, these are the people that you look up to. And these are the people who should be setting the example of how things run. And it's the same thing in our homes. I think that's what you're, you're basically saying is that we have to be the leader and we have to take that leadership role and with confidence too. And I love how you said in showing your kids how to fail so important. That's how they learn. Like that's how we learn. We tend to think that, or they might look at us and say, wow, I don't even know if they think this or not, but, oh, look at dad. My husband is an electrical engineer and he's very successful in his work, but it wasn't that all of a sudden he was an electrical engineer. He had to take steps to get there. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I love that whole family dynamic and the, the leadership and how it all, so it kind of, it's, it starts with you starts with the mom. Is it like starts here and then it goes down into their other area or how does it, it all integrate so, yes so the thing is that it overflows but right. i feel like so i have it set up as a pyramid right now you are at the bottom because you're the first step to it then is your family and then your work and then on top would be your flow okay. i call it work-life flow i also t call it work-life integration or flow because i think as we've seen through the pandemic work and life is really not so separate as we always try <laughs> to have it and i think it's also an opportunity again to role model to our children, to the next generation, how to be resilient, how to overcome difficult times. I think the pandemic was a really huge opportunity and we're still in it. So it's still, right. we're still going strong. And I love that you said it's an, it was an opportunity. I feel very fortunate where we are in life and that we were actually doing pretty well, but I have ADHD and I, I live with anxiety. It's, it's part of my makeup. And so I have to work every day at, okay, so this happens and that there's a trigger and one, the body, the mind wants to go into fight or flight and I have to continue to bring myself back up. I need to do that for myself because otherwise I'd be very unhealthy, right? If we mm -hmm. stayed in that fight or flight all the time, but I also need to show my kids when something that feels life shattering happens that you have to keep going. This is what it looks like to keep going, to yes. lift yourself up and to find that time for the self-care. So what do you suggest to your moms that you work with about finding that time? Because I hear the same thing. I do not have time. I do not have time to read that book. I do not have time to any of it. And self-care to me, self-care is not going to get your nails done. <laughs> like that's That might be a part of it, but that's not self-care. I tend to think that mind management is self-care. So Tell me a little bit about that. Well, for me, I think that the term self-care could be really anything that fills your cup, right? Yeah. Anything that makes you feel a more whole person, like you say, more stable, more balanced. For some, it might be having the nails done. I really don't know. I'm not that person. Right. I love right. to play in the dirt on my mountain bike. So. Yeah, me too. I know. I'm in the dirt. I like to get self-care is getting dirt under my fingernails. <laughs> exactly. For me, it's going outdoors, for example. Yeah, it's, it's going outdoors. It's riding my bike with my friends. It's yoga, for example. Right. It's whatever. But it also can be preparing a cup of tea and enjoying that in silence. Or in the during the pandemic, what was really hard for me, and I think a lot of moms can relate, is that we were all always available and yes, so right. it was really we really had hardly space to ourselves space mm -hmm. and time and so even sometimes I would just go to my bedroom and close the door for 10 minutes and mm -hmm. that was self-care so it, it all depends on on and like I said like our seasons change our needs change but 
one big theory or <laughs> it's not really a theory it's actually a practice that I did uh-huh. is that we have to to have our family as a team mm. like I see my kids they're four and a half and seven and a half and they do help around the house because I make it a point that we are a team we collaborate we're a family we help each other I want them even to notice when something needs to be done not only if I tell them to or if it's expected but the husband or partner whomever is in your in your picture is the same thing my husband he does share parenting we do homeschool so he also does some of the homeschooling which for mm-hmm. us it's actually guiding our kids we don't really it's not like school teaching right. goes down it's just having those conversations setting boundaries I think is a really important one you really have to find your voice to actually be able to speak up for what you need right. and to learn how to set those boundaries because I think I don't know, (laughs) maybe it's too much of a generalization, but the moms I've talked to and I've worked with, a lot of them struggle actually voicing their needs. Um, They just think they have to do it all. They have to carry the whole load and that's how it's meant to be. But if you really want to work and if you want to live a full life, I don't think we should give ourselves our identity up. And we really have to. And again, if we don't feel like, if we feel taken advantage of, because that's what happens when we do everything, but we really don't want to do everything or we would like to have help, but we can't ask for help. We don't feel strong enough or we feel actually weak let's say like that because a lot of people see it as weakness to ask for help and I don't think that's what it is but then you start feeling resentful Mm -hmm. you start you make up your own stories about that other person that they don't want to help they use me all these this talk goes on in your head and that's not good for any relationship either so it's much better to find your voice and to have hard conversation than doing something and then being resentful. So Yeah, absolutely. It goes right back to that being a leader in your family and being the mom who asks for help, letting your kids seeing you, see you asking for help and not doing it all. And I think a lot of the way that we, maybe we don't necessarily mean to, but we're just kind of following what we learned, right? When we grew up and whether we thought it was fair or not, we tend to fall into those roles. And it, Kristen, you're talking about changing the legacy for your family, that it's more that everybody is important. And away from that, that authority where the kids are like, they're low on the, the to be seen, pole, but not to be heard. Is that that's the, it. Yeah, seen, but yes, not heard. Yeah. That is not a legacy that I want to continue. <laughs> but in order to change the legacy, we have to change ourselves. And like I was saying earlier, so, especially in the beginning of the pandemic, actually, honestly, the beginning of the pandemic, I, as the introvert, loved it because we didn't have, we we weren't going, I was spending lots of time in the school. Like I said, my kids are in school, lots of time in the car driving to and from school and, and activities and all of that and the birthday parties and like all the stuff. So when we were sent home, I was loved. I was really loving it for about a month. We are here. So ever since I kind of came back to that realization that, wow, this is here to stay for a while, I've had to pick myself up sometimes a hundred times in a day and remind myself and not allowing yourself to get to that fight or flight place. That's the self-awareness, knowing Mm -hmm. yourself, like what you talked about with your core values. And I don't know about you, but with the core values, I didn't even know what my core values were until five years ago, six years ago. I didn't even know. I had adopted them from my parents, from my grandparents. Yeah, I didn't even know. Oh yeah, well, I'm this. Well, no, when it came down to it, they were very different. 
They were very mm-hmm. different from what yes. I thought they were. But until there's that another saying, you don't know what you don't know. So it's not until you decide and get into this kind of work. So I definitely want listeners to go and check out Work Life Flow. That is Kirsten's podcast. And she has amazing guests on the podcast. Her work is really super important. And I love that the integration part. And I love that team, thinking of your family as a team. That is the way to get everybody to do what they're supposed to do rather than that top down that is kind of traditional that, oh, we work together. We're a team. I really love that. Kirsten, this has been enlightening and an amazing conversation. We seriously are really like, can you tell us about, so the show is about, it's a show about possibility and then anything is possible in motherhood. Can you tell us about a time where you either achieved something or overcame something in motherhood that initially felt impossible? Honestly, I think all motherhood has been (laughs) full of those experiences. I don't know. I think for me, it was the hardest part is the work on myself. The hardest part is noticing your patterns because I told my story before I didn't have any friends that had kids I was never around small kids really so I really liked that because it gave me a clean slate of to do it in my family but it also contrasted so much with what how I grew up that this was the hard work to do. I think I'm still doing it. Our family decided to homeschool two years ago and I love it. It's just, but it's deconstructing everything I know. Right. (laughs) Like you said, everything I know was true is not true anymore. Right. Because I was going through a school system that told me what to do. I was not being parented in a positive way, a more authoritarian way. I had a lot of struggles in my childhood to fit in into school. And so now with homeschooling, I'm deconstructing all this. And I just love to see how it helps my kids to know themselves already, which I'm still seeking. Yeah, I'm getting there. But my kids, they're so young and they already know exactly what they love to do and what they don't. And and they don't have to do what they don't like to do. That is the biggest overcoming at the moment for me to to just deconstruct everything I grew up with. And like you said, anything is possible. I just see a lot of possibility in my kids' future, in myself. It's totally different. It was a really difficult thing to do to tell everybody that I left science behind. Yeah, it was difficult because you put a lot into it, a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of money. Yeah. And it was a little bit of showing others that I could do it. It's a little bit of no, I can do it. And I I just kept climbing and climbing until my postdoc. (laughs) Two years later, I was like, "Mm -mm, that's that's not what I want to do. Yeah. Well, through that whole story, the story that you just told about deconstructing and homeschooling and with leaving science behind, that is really brave, courageous to go to listen to your heart and to do it anyway. Listen, because that those little nudges that we hear, the, your intuition, those little whispers, they don't go away. <laughs> you know? No, they don't. <laughs> yeah. So I love that. You listened and you did what yeah. felt impossible. That's And it and helps is to find your people. Like surround with people who do the same work or who think similarly. Don't go back 
to the people who always say no or who don't associate with them. Or who don't believe in you. That's not helpful. <laughs> you don't. I've learned through this process who I can share, you know, my vision with and my hopes and dreams with and who I can't. And it's not anything against the people. It's just that you want to share with the people who are the people who really want you to win and follow your heart. You. Yeah. The people who see you. Exactly. This has been amazing. I've loved our time together. And can you share with our listeners, how can they find out more about you? Yes. Like you said, I, I host the Work-Life Flow podcast and that's on all the podcast platforms. And my website is first name, last name. So I'll say it again. I'll say www.kerstinkirchsteiger.com. And I have a freebie. So it's uh, K-E-R-S-T-I-N-K-I-R-C-H-S-T-E-R igr.com and then forward slash checklist it's a little freebie i have for people with kids to download and to get the kids a little bit more independent fantastic i love that now if there is can you share with us one action step that our listeners could take like today something easy that would give them a quick win for themselves i yeah. would say start noticing your triggers so start noticing mm. the emotions that come up mm -hmm. and if you can, maybe right now, just sit down and try to remember the emotions you felt during the day yesterday, and then start journaling your emotions and then yeah. see how you fluctuate through those emotions. Because like you said, we have to start with awareness. Yeah. And the more aware you become of how you feel, the better you can respond. From there, you would work on inviting a pause. Like when you feel triggered, when you feel like anxious or mm. nervous or I don't know, angry at somebody or at yourself, maybe taking a deep breath. There's a lot of ways how to, to recenter. I love that. And looking at sometimes it can be scary, feel scary to look at our feelings. We want to, I think that's what scares us. That's what hurts the most is the thinking about looking at something that's uncomfortable, but that's how we grow. And that's how it becomes less uncomfortable. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, Kirsten, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for coming and sharing all of your wealth on your wealth of knowledge on uh, work-life integration and definitely go and check out Kirsten's podcast and her freebie as well. Well, thanks for having me on. This was really fun. It was. It. Thank you so much, Kirsten. All right. Thank you. Now, Remember, anything is possible, even in the midst of motherhood. Goodbye for now. Thank you for listening to the Vision Driven Mom podcast. Funk happens in mom life. It just does. And that's why I'm holding the Get Up Out of That Funk challenge for moms from March 15th through the 19th. 2021, where I will guide you through a five-day process of getting up out of that funk. And by the end of the five days, you will have a toolkit that you have designed and created by yourself that you can use next time you get into a funk because funk happens. So get up out of that funk, www.getupoutofthatfunk.com. You can also find the link in the show notes. Goodbye for now.